and welcome to the seventh episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their starting industry, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game they're here to promote. And in this case, it is Red Shirt by the Tiniest Shark. Me too. Please introduce yourself. Who are you? Hello. Um, yeah, so I'm Mitu Kandeka, um, and I run a one-woman indie development studio called The Tiniest Shark. Now, I've got to ask you about The Tiniest Shark. First of all, amazing name. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent, excellent name. Love the little logo. If you haven't yes. seen it, go check it out. It reminds me, because I'm very old, and one of my first video game consoles was an Intellivision. You probably don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe you do. Uh, <laughs> But and it had this game called Shark Shark, and it had it kind of reminds me of your the logo reminded me of that. Oh, I see. I hadn't heard of that game, but that sounds amazing. You should um, pick it up. It's an amazing game because the Intellivision was like this really amazing advanced console. It was, yeah, yeah. It came out after the twenty six hundred, and it was actually apparently a sixteen bit console, which I can't get my head around. But apparently it was. And uh, this game called Shark Shark, which you probably can get emulated and download somewhere. Um, from Blue Sky Rangers, their website, and it's an amazing little game where you have these little fish and you eat other fish, and the more fish you eat, you grow bigger. Wow, okay. And then Excellent. every now and again, a shark appears across the screen, and you can't eat the shark because it's massive, but you can actually attack its tail. And if you attack its tail, it flips okay. out, and then it, you have to stop it from eating you. And if you do it enough, right. times, you do it enough times, the shark actually dies <laughs> and falls to the oh, bottom. Oh, interesting. You okay. This, game. this game's over 35 years old. Ah, oh, okay. Well, that sounds amazing. That's definitely the first thing I'm doing after I get off the podcast. <laughs> no, I think my uh, my earliest fish-based game memory is probably just James Pond. Hi. <laughs> right. okay. Did you so, play James Pond? I did, on the Amiga. Um, yes. Speaking of which, I mean, I'm a bit of a retro gaming nut, and I have an Amiga. Of course I do. Uh, and I actually put an SD card inside instead of a hard disk, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I put that in and I started installing pinball dreams and stuff onto it it's fabulous oh, wow. uh, but yeah it, it's an A1200 and it's got 8 megs of RAM <gasps> 8 megabytes of RAM and uh, wow. but yeah it's it's an amazing little machine that it's, it's just an A1200 that works absolutely perfectly it's probably over 20 years old or something and it still works and uh, so it just goes to show that uh, although because I read a book about the, the rise and fall of Commodore okay and it's amazing how they made anything <laughs> those right. people were crazy uh the book's called on the edge i would recommend it it's fabulous and okay. it's, it's a lovely lovely book he talks about how the you know these technologies we take for granted they were just making it up as they go along but i'm sure we all really know that because really people don't mm. know what's going on so anyway back to we're sort of focusing on retro stuff and this really sort of leads into my next question to you how did you start making games because i'm sure red shirt was in your first Right. Um, I mean, you know, Red Shirt certainly was my first um, proper sort of game of any significant scale um, and certainly my first commercial game. Um, I mean, the way I got into making games has kind of been kind of roundabout. And I know everyone says that, um, but I mean, I just knew I've always known that I wanted to be a game developer um, and it was either that or be an astronaut. Um, And both possible both possible yeah and and seriously in like in actual pursuit of that i i decided to do um a serious engineering degree at university so i did computer engineering um what is that? because i was like you know i'm just gonna hedge my bets between astronaut and game developer okay, um, well, like you do because i am actually that delusional what is um, that? What is that as a as a course? Just oh, as a discipline. It. Oh, it's um, it was basically equal parts um, like software engineering, so learnings of programming, etc., and also hardware engineering. So um, it was all you know, it was largely based around just programming microcontrollers and things like that. So so, um, so the Raspberry Pi thing you could empathise with in that. Whole yeah, thing. absolutely. Yeah, no, and it's right. fantastic. There's there's such an accessible. Um, so it was, yeah, such an accessible um, movement um, around the around the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, excellent. Okay, so 
but you so, always um, wanted weight gain. So what? what yeah, yeah. So I, um, yeah. So once I'd, uh, so I did, yeah. So I did computer engineering to master's level um, at the University of Portsmouth, and um, I was sort of, you know, in that sort of final year, final project stage where I was going to start applying to companies, um, and you know, and, and there were quite a few games companies that I was thinking of applying to, but because my final year project was. Um, I basically made this really rudimentary um, game interface, which would read in um, your sort of sweat levels and, and things like that. And, you know, purported to try and read your emotional state, which is which I just sort of laugh at now, really. But uh, but I uh, I was well, Nintendo tried reason, that, didn't they? With the, um, what was that? They did after. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a couple of years, I guess. Never after. came out. But <laughs> yeah, no, never came out. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, because of that, I was asked. To, onto the PhD program um, okay. with the uh, School of Creative Technologies at the University of Portsmouth, and um, and yeah, so I basically started working on um, on my PhD. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I got distracted by by various things and shiny things. Yeah, shiny things. I have a yeah. tendency to get distracted by by various things which happen to come up. So there was a, there was the opportunity to do an entrepreneurship scholarship over in America, um, and uh, it basically meant sort of taking six months out to um, to sort of be shipped off to the states. And it was all really fancy, like myself and ten other UK. Um, tech and engineering grad students got picked to sort of, you know, to, to, to be shipped over. We we met Gordon Brown and stuff at the time, so it was all very exciting. Oh, wow. Um, and where was this, and MIT was it going to, or was it? Is, well, I mean, the, uh, the the scholarship was sort of based around this American Entrepreneurship Foundation called the Kaufman Foundation, but oh, okay. basically placed us in um, sort of, yeah, they took us around Harvard, Harvard Business School, um, we visited Sanford, and then uh, we, were, uh, we were placed um in uh, in various different sort of places to do with our area of interest and i was the uh, i was the video game person so my placement was um was at mit it was with the uh, the education arcade there so um okay. so yeah i got to spend um like three or four months basically just hanging out with all these really cool smart people at mit um sort of ostensibly trying to help out with their with their sort of educational game projects. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really cool time. Um, and then I came back here, um, to the UK and carried on with my PhD. And, um, and then the next distraction I had, <laughs> because I, I, I sort of tend to get a distraction come along every year or so. Yeah. Um, the next distraction I had was, um, I basically started work on a location-based game, or what was what was intended to be a location-based game. Um, what do you mean it, by GPS and stuff? Or um, yeah, yeah, well, I mean it was basically yeah, it was basically a um, it was this sort of weird, almost four square meet sim city type thing. Okay, um, and. Um, and it was myself and um, a, another co-founder working on it. And I basically um, tried to pitch it um, in Silicon Valley um, for for about three or four months. I sort of spent trying to sort of raise money seriously to try and pursue it as, as an actual thing. Um, right. And so, yeah, I worked on it for about a year in total, I think. Um, but... One of the things that I learned from that experience was really sort of, you know, the more people I talked to um, and the more sort of, you know, you know, both investors and just other people that I was sort of hanging out with in the sort of Silicon Valley tech crowd, um, it just, you know, the, the, the idea sort of just seemed to, the product itself seemed to sort of shape into this very non-gamesy thing and it's much more akin to sort of, um, you know stuff like Foursquare and 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 you know all the um, all the other sort of check-in based services, which were very um, very much the in thing at the time. And I sort of like yeah, it was this is weird thing where it was sort of just sort of slipping into this thing that I really just didn't like very much anymore. Um, and I sort of had this just existential moment of uh, I don't not, believe in it this. It was more more than a moment. It was probably sort of this this series of moments where I just sort of realized you know what I really care about is just games um, and that's what I want to work on. And this is something I don't really care about anymore. So 
I basically, uh, I basically quit that um, and uh, came back to the UK and um, decided that I was just basically going to go it alone and just start making games by myself. Um, partly from a sort of, you know, why am I trying to, um, you know, why am I trying to bother working on anything else when this is actually the thing I care about? Um, right. And so from a sort of you know, because it was kind of like a demoralizing experience to an extent, sort of having okay. having worked on something for so long only to sort of you know, not have it go anywhere. So it was also this sort of proving to myself that I can that I can make a game by myself from finish to end. Um, and so that's how the Tiniest Shark was born. That's great. I mean, I've got to ask about the name of the, the, the develop your the name of the company. Well, yeah. Why? Why is it? Is it for the pathetic sharks or? Um, no, I mean, the name is actually kind of, um, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of different ways I actually approach it. Um, I mean, it's because from, well, I mean, sharks have always been really fascinating for me just as, I mean, they're, they're actual monsters, right? They're like actual monsters which we have living on this planet. And so I've always been horrified and fascinated by them. Um, so so you, yeah. you, you watched Jaws and thought, wow. Yes. That, I know it's ridiculous, was, but... I was with Jaws when I was like five years old. It was, uh... <laughs> it was a scary film. I mean, we you know, when he did... I mean, no spoilers here because the, the film's over 40 years old and you haven't watched it yet and really you should go out and do it, but... You know, you're gonna you're gonna need a bigger boat. It's just one of the yeah. one of those those phrases, those pop culture phrases that everyone now knows. You know, it's uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, it's I, I haven't seen Jaws for a long, long time. But no, but uh, you have because it's all in your head. It's just like exactly. It was, like, it was day I, I about a week. I, yeah, it was definitely a weirdly formative movie for me. I'm sure. Um, but uh, I just got this yeah, vision of no. little little shark biting the end of your finger. This tiny, <laughs> tiny shark. Like, what well, is that? It. it was it was about taking. Um, the concept of a shark, um, which has always been this sort of terrifying, fascinating thing for me, and making it small and making it cute and making it tiny and making it a thing that I can actually manage and and overcome. So, it's, you know, it's this really roundabout, cheesy awesome. metaphor for sort of overcoming, like, okay. a, a fear, I guess, or overcoming something that's really scary and actually just trying to tackle it. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 uh, that's kind of where the name comes from. Also, um, you know, there's, uh, as, uh, as the great philosopher Qui-Gon Jinn once said, uh, there's, there's always a bigger fish. And uh, <laughs> I think that's, uh, that's really important to bear in mind. Yeah, you just quoted one of the non-existent Star Wars films. I'm just worried there. But... Oh, yeah, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have... I'm just glad that uh, there was there's... that recent announcement that, uh, that Disney are... Uh, are sort of disassociating themselves with all the uh, expanded universe stuff in Star Wars. Did you see that? Are they? Yeah. So basically all the expanded universe content, so all the books, etc. Disney are basically saying, no, this isn't canon anymore, <gasps> which is interesting. So I mean, I'm kind of happy about it because I am the kind of obnoxious Star Wars fan who um, never liked the expanded universe very much. I'm sorry to well, say. It didn't work. I mean, <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I like Dark Forces. They were good games, you know. And yeah, yeah. I did enjoy the games. Yeah, I liked the, the games. The story actually. and the fiction around it, I wasn't convinced. Not so much. No, no. And no. Kotor, the original Kotor, that was good, but that's three thousand years before anything happened, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, no. I mean, I love the games, but um, yeah, books, no, not so much. Um, and I think anything which renders um, that awful book, The Courtship of Princess Leia, completely invalid is probably. Ew. <laughs> did you read that one no no basically I... the story of how han and leia basically um ended up together and got married no yeah. one needs to know we'll find out in the next episode but anyway this leads me on <laughs> i'm sorry question. no yeah. that's my fault I, it's my fault um <laughs> what are your biggest influences with regards to creation of your games not so much bad um fanfic <laughs> Um, well, I mean, fanfic has been um, a pretty formative thing in my life, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but besides that, okay, in terms of games, um, my biggest influences um, have probably been, um, you know, stuff. Well, I mean, I, it's hard to say what my biggest influences are because um, I've always played quite a wide range of games. Me too. Um, Me too. I was, uh, I was, I mean, I was massively into MMOs as a teenager. Um, and I played EverQuest like religiously when I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, Do you manage to run across Antonica? 
Yes, yes. <laughs> that was I, a rite of passage. That was, that if was, you that, could run across Antonico without getting killed, amazing. Mm, that was, I'm trying to remember what item it was because I played, my main character was a um, was an enchanter. And okay. there was a particular, there was that particular enchanter quest, which literally took you all over Norath. Um, <laughs> and I did it maybe about three or four times and it would take up the entirety of a Saturday. Like I would get up um, and, uh, you know, be, be logged in by like nine o'clock and still be completing the quest like late in the evening. Yeah, um, parad- the parading. Accomplishment. Yeah, the parading quest was just as bad. That was was pretty, it? Pretty I never really played a paladin, so yeah. No, they're hard to play. Uh, I'll play them in pen and paper RPGs as well. And in order to do that, you have to be an annoying jerk. Right. <laughs> think about it. Lawful good. How dull yeah. is that? And it's also, you're a bit of a fascist. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, played, I played a lot of uh, pen and paper RPGs as well when I was at uni. Um, so, yeah, but I oh, was... I'm, I'm, I empathise with the other questing. I did, them, I did uh, Ultima Online as well and, of course, Warcraft and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So no, you... I, okay. think, you know, I think for me, EverQuest was... Um, I've sort of, you know, I've, I've never written about this for um, for Rock Paper Shotgun in the past, but I think EverQuest for me marks the last time um, that I can really sort of distinctly remember looking at a game and not being able to sort of figure it out and not being able to sort of see the seams, as it were. Um, so because logging into EverQuest for the first time, um, being faced with this amazing um amazing world which felt completely alive like that was that was such that was that was such an impactful experience for me um that that game yeah it meant a lot to me in terms of sort of feeling this like amazing sense of wonder which i don't know i i wonder sometimes if i get that anymore with um certainly with um you know with any mmos or any single player games um i think um, in terms of, I guess, procedurally generated games, so like stuff like Minecraft is probably the closest that I come to that feeling, because um, because obviously that's not it's not a pre-designed world with some which someone's put together and there are boundaries and places you can't go and stuff like that. So I think you know Minecraft is one game um, which sort of recreates that feeling for me to an extent, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um... For me, when I say proceed, when I hear that, I think, "Oh, elite!" <laughs> I immediately <laughs> think that's that was the. I think that was the original. There might be some say, "Oh no, some other game." Yeah, yeah, no, it I was. Think, yeah. I think elite was the first, and uh, ever since then, it's sometimes been successful and sometimes not so much. But yeah, for yeah. the most part, um, so it's the awe. Basically, you're inspired uh, by yeah. awe. I was, yeah, she sounds so awesome. By- <laughs> yeah, it is literally awesome. Literally, not even figuratively. It actually literally is. <laughs> literally awesome. Yeah, um, um, I was definitely inspired by the awe of, of EverQuest, and um, and you know, and there's been several games which have kind of been been quite formative for me. Um, in terms of the work that I've done on Redshirt, I mean, that was you know, I was very much inspired by The Sims, um, and, um, and and Star Trek. <laughs> and Star Trek. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just I think The Sims was um, was definitely just a big one in terms of you know like I hadn't come across a game which which did that you know I just thought it was so cool to sort of simulate um, actual social interactions and, and yeah. try and sort of yeah just manage little people and um, and I think that really stuck with me back then um, and and yeah I just you know um, one of the reasons that I worked in Richer is because the because I just think social interaction is such such an appallingly underexplored area in games. Um, oh, so, so, it's yeah. getting better. It's getting way better than ever. I mean, yeah, but compared to, it's definitely getting better. Yeah, I think compared to the sort of you know all the other content we see, it's definitely not explored enough. Um, and uh, you know, we can we can obviously say that about lots of things as well. But um, but yeah, I think um, in terms of sort of influence. Um, I'd say the biggest games were probably the biggest games were probably EverQuest, um, and uh, yeah, and also maybe The Sims. So, who do you admire most in the industry then, or what? It can be a company, can be a person, can be both. Um, I mean, related to that last one, uh, Will Wright definitely. I mean, yeah. just 
quite a visionary pardon quite a visionary absolutely yeah i mean i i'm so in awe of like every talk that he's given and um and just in terms of design interests like i think you know I, I definitely that is the kind of game designer I want to to be like in terms of in terms of the the sort of interesting systemsy things that he he does. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I could pick one person, it would be Will Wright. Excellent. Okay, so moving on to what are you playing right now? I mean, I can share with you. I just finished playing the Banner Saga. I'm not sure if you heard of that, but... Uh, I haven't actually, no. Uh, it's a game made by some ex-Bioware people. Oh, okay. And uh, it's set in this ancient Nordic world, which is a parallel to our own, mm-hmm. and it has big giants in it with horns coming at them called Val, and they're fighting against these stone golems called Dredge. And the reason I mention it to you, I mean, I wouldn't normally mention it, but this one, story and people, this game's about people. Okay. More than anything, it has. It's a tactical RPG, like you know, um, Final Fantasy Tactics or Valkyrie Chronicles and stuff like that. It's a tactical RPG uh, or Fire Emblem, if you will. It's mm-hmm. like those, but that's for me is a sideshow compared to what the real core of the game is and mm. people. Yeah, it's okay. actually about people, about their interactions, and you know, trust and lack of trust and earning trust and. Hmm. Amazing. Okay. So it came out today. Out. At the time of recording, it came out today. Okay. Uh, I can talk about it freely now. I've been playing for the past week. So frustrating, but I can't oh. about it to anyone. Uh, yeah. I know why embargoes exist and I completely empathize with why they exist. But the, this one this week was just horrific because I wanted to shout from the rooftops about it, but I couldn't until today. Oh. But what are you playing? What am I playing? Um,. I mean, I'm sort of, uh, well, recently my um, my husband and I have uh, been playing through the co-op campaign of Magicka, which is, I think I count Magicka amongst sort of one of my very favouritest games. Um, are you playing with controllers or are you just doing... Um, controllers, yeah. yeah. Um, I've played, well, yeah, so I've played it on PC. Yeah, i played it on PC previously as well. I think yeah. maybe I find it easier on PC, but um, but yeah, we're playing we're playing through on controllers at the moment. Is, um, it, on, is it on any other platforms? I can't remember. Um, no, I think it's just it's, on PC. It's but, just on yeah. PC, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, I think it's one of my absolute favorite games. It's um, crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. It is crazy. Yeah, and you it's, know, it's so, it's so hilarious in terms yeah. of the writing and, and just the stuff that happens in the game. Um, I think, you know, in lots of ways, it really reminds me of of, uh, of pen and paper RPGs and tabletop role-playing. Right. Um, just in terms of, you know, if you're playing with other people, just the sort of hilarity of the things that can happen in that game and the things that can go wrong. And, uh, you know, that's what I really like about about tabletop role-play. Um, for me, it was always about sort of getting together with a group of friends, um, Having, you know, I was lucky that I always had a GM who was just um, a really, who was just really good at coming up with wacky things on the fly. And, uh, and yeah, it was all about taking, you know, just laughing at all the horrible stuff that would, that would go wrong. And I think that translates really well to something like Magicka. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know, I'd, I'd love to, uh, if there's a game right now that I wish I could have made myself, it would be it would be Magicka, I think. Um, <laughs> That's just, you know, not only because really. you know, not yeah. only because of the hilarious writing, but just in terms of just the interesting systemsy stuff in it, it's just yeah, it's it's amazing. If you like that, I would recommend you check out Forced. Okay. Which is a game that I first interviewed um, our first show. Check mm-hmm. out our first show. Um, it's a co-op game. It's a team yes. puzzle co-op game. It's kind of cool, mm. and I really quite liked it. And uh, okay. It, it was out on Steam sale, of course, like everything was. Um, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it, and it was good. okay. And do do have a look at that. But yeah, it's 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 um, it's not as funny as uh, <laughs> as magic. That would be difficult because magic would be difficult. is hilarious. It's hilarious, <laughs> and humor and games, which is something we can talk about later, is yeah. uh, is, is 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 challenging. And also as a DM, I, I'm a DM as well. Uh, I've, I've DM'd a lot of stuff, and okay. uh, my philosophy is. Um, uh, don't say yes, but say yes and. Yeah. So, yes and you can do that. Um, oh, definitely. Can I do this? Definitely. Oh, yeah. And have you thought about throwing that over there? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, it's, fantastic. But um, also, 
I don't think I've actually been successful until I hear someone say, man down, man down. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I can tell them. immediately what kind of DM you are. That's, that's I don't kill them. <laughs> I just bring them to the brink of death. Oh, it's fantastic. Like, it's just like, man down. Like, yep, yeah, yeah I'm, there you go, I've won now. And also, uh, perversely, because I play a lot as well, because the best DMs, yeah. in my opinion, are also players, because they empathize, yeah. you see. So um, I'm terrible dice roller when I'm playing. I'm just the worst. I'm lucky to get 11 on a D20. Like, oh, look. Whereas when I'm, when I'm DMing, 20s, 20s all the time. There are times when I'm going, I can't. I'll kill him. <laughs> I'll kill him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I actually pick up the dice and go, look, I just rolled this. I'm really sorry. So, oh, anyway. Do you mostly do D20 games then? It's um yeah I've only actually played D twenty games. It includes Pathfinder and yeah. um, and Fourth Edition. I actually won a, a competition at Fourth Edition. DMing, I know. I got they gave me it was TSR, not TSR. I'm talking about Wizards of the Coast. They gave, the reason I say TSR, um, Wizards of the Coast gave me the first edition of D and D as a as a as a as a prize. It's awesome. Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. So uh, quite proud of that. Um, and it's actually DMing for strangers. Never met them before in my life. So yeah. there's six strangers, and I actually had set, I gave them characters each and gave them their backstories, and it was cool. Okay. So, yeah. huh. I actually don't know how, uh, how um, pen and paper role-play competitions would work. Like, do they – were all the players – did they rate you? Is that how yeah. it worked? That's exactly like how it DM was. speed dating, is that what it was? <laughs> it is DM speed dating. I speed dating for four hours. So that's oh, right, okay. So you Slow get the, the game lasts for four hours, and then at the end of it, they rate your your adventure, your ability to communicate, your ability yeah. to you know to um, pull crap out the bag, mm. you know, pull the rabbit out of the hat, I should say. Yeah. And uh, do all that sort of, you know, think on the fly. Because players are the worst. They just love breaking what you made. They like, do, they do. Yeah. They'll be focused on thinking, why are you focused on that? It's not important. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, don't worry about that. There's a big monster. No, I want to go, oh, fine, <laughs> fine. Um, but anyway. Yeah, no, I've only tried to DM once um, in my not- well, DM one campaign. And, you know, I, I really respect and admire people who can do it really well because yeah it's, it's uh, sometimes it I mean, looks. <laughs> what you've got to look back on what you're going to fall back on all the time is you're the rules mm. on the book you're the rules yeah <laughs> so yeah. someone can say oh no that doesn't work this it does <laughs> it said it does yeah yeah and, the game uh, i actually dm'd for was um was the everquest pen and paper game which, oh, is, wow. which is basically just yeah it was basically just D D reskinned um, <laughs> in, in the everquest world basically so uh yeah it was uh, it was interesting speaking of interesting we're now moving on to our second half where okay. we talk about richard that I worked on. Yeah, so tell us. Give us the pitch. Give us the voice pitch. You no doubt splurged out many, many times, but... uh, I haven't done it for a while, actually. Let's see how much of it I remember. Yeah. (laughs) No, um, so basically Redshirt is a comedy, sci-fi, social networking simulation game, which is a very saturated genre of games, I know. But uh, basically it's a uh, a game about uh, being a character who is um, the most insignificant person on this future space station. You're, You're a new arrival. You have the worst possible job. And you notice that everybody on the station is very annoyingly addicted to something called Spacebook. And so you realize that the way you um, you effectively stop being a red shirt is by using Spacebook to try and schmooze with your sort of higher up officers, um, try and make friends with the right people or enemies with the right people and uh, or, you know, or try and pursue romantic relationships and basically just live out your life on this space station um, and, you know, try and stop being a red shirt before horrible things happen to you. 
That's awesome. And it's um, just to give you an idea visually aspect of it, because mm. this is a podcast. So it's, it's, a, mm, it's like, fundamentally, it's basically uh, similar to Facebook interface in many regards. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is intended as a, uh, as a social network simulator. So, you know, the game, it does does very much simulate the experience of staring at a social network. Um, but, uh, but yeah, also you've got other sort of aspects of your character that you manage and, you know, you've got different skills to manage and job and sort of different jobs that you can apply for. And, um, and, and yeah, so, you know, I guess to some extent it's got a sort of slightly, some people have likened it to something like football manager, where it's about obviously, you know, setting up a certain scenario and then just watching it play out. So, you know, you can, you can arrange a, you can arrange a Facebook event with your with your coworkers, for example, and uh, and you invite the right combination of people to the right event and uh, at the right time, and um, just basically see what happens. Okay, and visually, there's a very unique art style to the characters, and there's various creatures in the ship on the space station. I'd say it's more like Deep Space Nine than it is. Star Trek, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, had long five, maybe. But yeah, maybe. yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I would hope that it sort of comes from the same sort of um, character-driven sort of interest that drives people to watch sort of like Deep Space Nine. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's yeah, it's very much about um, these personalities um, on on the space station, and you know, every game is. Um, it's dynamically generated. You know, all the all the characters are different every time, and they all behave differently, and they look different. And they've got different names. Um, and you know, when you go to create a character, I mean, you can define lots of things about your own character as well. So I tried to make the character creation process as as open and as inclusive as possible. And uh, and then you can also sort of play around with the different. Uh, the different attributes that all the different um, characters on, on the station will have. So you can, for example, you can choose to create a station full of all horrible bigots who always talk about themselves. Um, or you can choose to create a station full of people who um, are just really chatty and, and sociable. So, yeah, it's um, it's kind of up to you to sort of... Um, yeah, whatever you want to experience it yeah will. yeah and you know and you can play the game in a very sort of earnest yes i'm going to make friends with people um and you know earnestly work my way up the work my way up the ladder sort of way and you know and there are different ways of sort of um there are different ways of playing the game you can focus on your career you can focus on um sort of you know maintaining relationships etc or you can just hoard lots of money um but yeah you can sort of be earnest about it or you could just decide to be evil and use everybody it's uh yeah, it's very much up to you as the player. You get a white cat and a massive chair. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yes. a death row. A white, a white robo-cat, perhaps. Robo-cat, yeah. Yes. Or a tentacle cat thing. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, there's, a, there's something I don't have in the game. Uh, <laughs> Red Shirt 2, maybe. Tentacle Richard. cat. <laughs> so this is a question that I hinted at earlier on before we started recording uh, about trends. So right. the Red Shirt focuses on what many regard as the mundane. Right, yes. Yet it makes it entertaining. Uh, I'm glad you think so. Um, now, it's one of many games that recently appeared that do this. Okay. I'm including Viscera Cleanup Detail. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I'm aware of it. I haven't, actually haven't played it yet. Okay, um, um, it's not out yet. It's sort of, you know, you can get a demo or a pre-alpha release thing. Hmm. I have issues with, but anyway, visceral cleanup detail. The idea is, I don't want to detract from your game, but there's a relevance to this, so bear with me. Yeah, it's basically, after the space marine has done his thing and killed all the aliens, in this, who cleans up after that? <laughs> well, that's no, that's you, that that's yeah. that's you, you're the janitor or the cleaner, as we have, yeah, you know, goes in and cleans up all the alien goop. Yeah. From the walls of the space station, um, and there's also Stanley Parable as well, um, which mm. that's another. It's, is it about mundane or is it about more other thingies? But there's also Papers, Please. Mm. I mean, there's a game that's you booking in people through a passport control point. How can it be more dull? Yet, yeah, yeah, you know. No, I think and, it's, yeah, and then fantastic. finally, there's Gone Home. Mm. You're just going home after a trip from Europe. <laughs> 
to an empty yeah. house. Hmm. So my 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 ask ask you this, and it is the the the, the, the point to the question. Is this trend a backlash against the all-conquering heroes that prevail video games? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think, I think the interesting thing about all the different games you just mentioned there is that they're all quite different beasts. And, um, you know, I'd say something like Gone Home is very, very different to something like Papers, Please. Um, and I think the thing about... And, you know, and I, I can sort of agree uh, about sort of maybe putting them under this broad umbrella of like mundaneity or whatever. But I think that's cool in a way because like I guess there's, there's a lot more potential in the mundane. Um, the mundane can mean so many different aspects of experience, which is super cool. And um, and yeah, I, you know, there are definite um parallels between uh, between Redshirt and uh, the what was it Viscera cleanup. Um, detail, yeah, yeah, detail. That's it. Mister Cleanup Detail, um, and yeah, that's which would be a job. That would be yeah. one job in Redshirt. That's be, the yeah, point. One, They've made okay. one job from your game and turned it into a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, no, and that's that's fantastic, and that's about this very specific type of disempowerment. Um, I think something like Gone Home. Um, yeah, it's about sort of you know this. It is sort of, dull if you describe it to someone and go, "Hang on." You walk around an empty house, opening drawers and turning lights on. Pretty much. So this is a game. And I, I, I know it's wrong and disingenuous for me to say that. It's way more to it. But ultimately, that's what you do. Well, sure. But I mean, <laughs> you put it like that, anything. I know. Anything sounds dull, but it's wrong. <laughs> but but so, I just yeah, I, mean, I, love, I love Gone Home. I mean, I, I so think... It's my game of the year last year. It really was. So for me, oh, to, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I was able to connect with it in a way that a lot of people playing it did. I think um, it just surprised me at the end. I won't give right. it away. But it was just like, you rotten scoundrels. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Uh, and... I think for me... Um, I mean, you know, Gone Home is fantastic and, you know, I'd love to see more games um, sort of not only like it in terms of sort of, um, you know, in, in terms of the type of game experience, but also in terms of the the themes that it addresses. And yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. I think I uh, I wouldn't count it amongst my games of the year, um, even though I, re- I, I did love it and I think it's perfectly legitimate for anyone who wants to call it the game of the year. Um, but I think I think you know, Gone Home does portray this very particular type of life, um, which I, you know, a particular type of family life, which I guess I didn't really connect with very much. No, that's right. I couldn't empathise um, with it at all. I mean, you're right. Uh, that very alien in many regards, but yeah, that's, that um, doesn't really detract from. I could understand it. No, I, don't I, think I couldn't. I couldn't visualize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from having read about it, um, that it definitely the portrayal of the family in Gone Home definitely resonated with a lot of people, and you know, and rightly so as well. Um, but you know, focus on 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 Red Shirt, which what we should sure. be doing, uh, <laughs> and it's my fault for just basically. I think it's a it's an excellent example of part of this trend. Mm. So let's focus on the fantastical, and let's see what is quite entertaining from what seemingly is mundane i mean you know because... the thing is there is there is just as much possibility and potential for interesting things to happen in the in the mundane as there in, is in the fantastical right and i think yeah. um we've tried to sort of explore all the things that exist in the fantastical and yeah it's fantastic that there's there's been this sort of i guess you know backlash might be a strong word but yeah, um, I just I'm a journalist. Expansion, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> expansion into into looking at other aspects of experience. I mean, yeah, it's a reaction to maybe yeah. I'd say rather than a backlash. Um, reading too much Daily Mail is just best. Um, but uh, yeah. no, I don't, did I just say that out loud? Sorry, I don't. I really <laughs> don't. Um, but I think also all these all these games that make things interesting, and, and I don't want to give too much away about Richard or any other of these games. Is there is an underlying tone of darkness there? Yeah. Just leave it at that. There is more <laughs> to this than meets the eye and all that stuff. There's something yeah. else going on. Yeah, I there, there it is. Sure, it was very much intended as you know. It, it is intended as sort of, I guess you know social commentary to an extent on on the ways in which people use social networks yeah. um, and 
and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, despite the, and, and you know, don't get me wrong, Red Shirt is just full of horrible, silly puns. <laughs> but, uh, but beyond that, yeah, I mean, you know, it is, it is a game through which I kind of wanted to sort of reflect upon the, the, the place that social networks um, play in sort of our lives and, and potentially the way that a lot of people approach them, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, you know, it's, it's a complicated thing. Um, I've always, you know, people have sort of asked me throughout development, whether I, um, whether I like social networks or whether I really hate them. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'd, I'd say it's, uh, yeah, it's complicated. Yes, like me the, too. My, yes. my relationship with Facebook is I use it primarily as a communication device. Mm. I actually don't usually use it for posting things up. I very rarely post things up and I usually use it to, to talk to people as a group and it's quite handy to have that as a separate group of people you can communicate with as a group of people. It's great. I'm sure there's other applications that do that, but everyone has Facebook, so and there's yeah, exactly, messenger yeah. that allows you to do that, so I do that. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's it's really good for meeting up with people and stuff like that. That's all I use it for, but that's all posting pictures of cats? No, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and social networks have, you know, they've certainly provided, um, you know, they have definitely shaped my life. And, like, you know, that's not, uh, you know, I, I can't really deny that. There have been so many actual measurable ways in which, um in which in which both twitter and facebook have have helped me in in some way um but to you know but also i'm you know i'm very aware that there are people who sort of do use it in this very gross um sort of almost using people you know the whole sort of like increase your follower count and that kind of yeah that's yeah, that very sort of slimy side of, of, of it. Um, and part of that is, you know, is because social networks are essentially about numbers, if you sort of look at it that way. There's a particular lens that you can take on them. You know, it's about sort of how many followers you have and how many... Um, it's easy to measure. It's a yeah, nice bit of yeah. data to have. Yeah it's, a, yeah. it's a thing to measure yourself against. Yeah, Whether exactly. it's healthy or not is another matter. Mm, yeah. Speaking of healthy, I don't know why there's nothing to do with healthy. My next question is: Are you really a fan of Star Trek, or did you just think it was right for parody? Oh no, I've, I've loved Star Trek um, since I was since I was tiny. Um, again, you know, when I was, uh, you know, <laughs> well, basically, Star Trek was probably a large part of the reason why I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> what? Not Space 1999? Oh wow! Oh, yeah, no, Star Trek is my thing. Star Trek, yeah. I think, yeah, and Star Wars. I mean, I actually, I was a Trek fan first, and then I was yes. a Star Wars fan later. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, Star Trek kind of was very, very formative for me in thinking about ideas about a utopian world and what that would mean. And, you know, this is when I was, like, you know, like seven or eight or whatever, right? Um, and... I was like, wow, a world in which like there's no money on Earth and that and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and- when you start thinking about the universe itself and the expansion of beyond Kirk kissing green-skinned women, mm. I mean, uh, TNG was my my first um, sure. my first exposure to Trek. Oh, um, so yeah, you had Picard doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, and and Riker leaning against and doing and <laughs> and, yes, exactly. and, and you know now all this stuff coming out going. He does get on chairs like that. It's a bit weird. And he would lift his leg. I mean, have you seen this, uh, listeners? He lifts his leg over the back of the chair and sits down. Yes, very he has a very cute. bizarre way of yes. uh, sitting down, which once you've seen it, you're like, why did I not notice that before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the internet's now for. Because, like, <laughs> exactly. oh, right. but, but yeah, anyway, so uh, yeah, Star Trek was, was very much formative for me and it very much informed my ideas of what this sort of amazing grandiose perfect world would look like in which we're these noble um spacefaring beings who have this this um sort of very unselfish desire for exploration for the investment of of everyone yeah, um and, and those are the ideals that i sort of grew up with and i think i don't know i think like the more i've become like a cynical adult i guess it was this weird sort of mental exercise for me to sort of take this world which was very much my sort of idealized version of how we can possibly be and then contrast it with 
um, with social networking culture and where we currently are. And I guess in a lot of ways, Red Shirt is very sort of, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously, that's kind of what it is. You know, it's about it's about um, contrasting this sort of, you know, the noble vision for humanity with the disappointingness of where we are right now. Um, so and, uh, yeah. Just really, this leads me on to my final question to you. Hooray. Uh, you probably think, oh, probably because um, you know being picked apart about your game it's just, it's, it's okay. no, as I'm enjoying it <laughs> is what came first was it the idea of creating an adventure in space or mm. was it space book I mean was that the cornerstone of the development of the game what was the kernel that gave gave birth to to red, red shirt what, what started it all off? I mean, okay, it actually started with just the idea for making a social networking simulator. Um, and this right. is an idea that I sort of had sort of carried around. It's an idea that was kind of born out of um, working on that sort of social media thing that I was telling you about earlier, which which didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but because I was sort of very much immersed in that sort of Silicon Valley tech culture in which lots of people were doing sort of some really sort of, you know, uh, I, I guess, yeah, I'm trying to sort of skirt around the word gross, but there were a lot of gross projects around um, around then, you know, which which sort of took the social graph and sort of, you know, do you remember that uh, that Girls Around Me app? No, no, I don't. It was basically... I'm, sh- I'm shocked that it exists or it ever existed. What was it? Um, is, it, it was basically... is it what I think it is? Yeah, it's kind of what no. it sounds like. It's basically about scraping, um, all, you know, various different, um, you know, scraping the social graph, scraping um, sort of Foursquare, and trying to figure out where the sort of where the sort of hotspots of of activity for where like for where single women had recently. Oh, checked. oh, that's. No. Yeah, just, yeah, just trying to figure I have out. To go, I have to have a shower after this now. It's... Yeah, very, very creepy. Um, that's that's um, not good. So basically, I was in this environment where <laughs> people were working on projects like that. Um, and, you know, and, and I didn't know the people who worked on that specifically, but there were a lot of you know, people I knew who were working on various prototypes, which were akin to that. And it just got me really just bummed out about where about the because just the concept of sort of social networking and and, right. and you um, just and you basically but, said, you know, i guess like where sort of social networking was just in a cultural thing and you know this was also a thing that i've been thinking about over the years anyway just because you know i started using facebook when i was um when i was at uni doing my undergrad and i think just you know when you're when you're someone in your early 20s who starts using facebook and then you're still using it in your late 20s and it's just sort of it sort of um kind of shapes that very formative bit of your life where you're actually living life and you're okay. having these sort of like personal dramas and friendship dramas and all that kind of thing um so yeah anyway i sort of I, i'd had this idea of this sort of social networking simulator and um and it was only when um i you know so i'd started tiny shark i was working on a couple of little projects and uh and i was put in touch with cliff harris of positive games who um oh right yeah yeah to uh to publish an indie game and uh, I knew someone who'd pitched unsuccessfully to him so I was like oh I'll I'll go ahead and try and pitch to him as well um so uh so yeah he basically um you know he listened to my pitch about this idea of this social networking simulator and um and he was really interested in the idea but then we sort of you know as we were chatting about it um in a in a sunny Dorset Dorset pub somewhere, he uh, you know we we sort of the idea of setting it in um, in space basically came about and sort of because he'd um, you know he'd worked on the uh, on the Kudos games as well um, so Kudos one and Kudos two and he'd been sort of vaguely thinking about doing a uh, a follow up to Kudos set in space. And uh, and I was like, oh, like you know, it just hadn't d- occurred to me to sort of take this social networking simulator idea and and put a theme around it, sort of like skin it in a particular way. Okay. Um, it was only after speaking to yeah, Cliff. you could have, you could have done it in high fantasy. That might have even I funnier. Could have done it in high fantasy, but you could have just, done that yeah. as soon as the idea of setting it in space came up, it just became the perfect ju- juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, of like I said, the sort of taking the concept of you know where 
this this sort of very idealized view of humanity's future and contrasting it with the gross ways in which people can behave on social media um and yeah so that's kind of you know and it's you know because it, it is basically this you know commentary on our possible future in space um and that's what you know and toying with these kinds of ideas is really what sci-fi is is all about to an extent right so um so yeah it just basically seemed like a natural fit so uh yeah long that was a long answer to your question but uh, yeah yeah the social networking simulator bit came first and then the uh the setting it in this sort of star trekky setting came second awesome well on that note we shall sign off where can you buy the game? It's on iOS as well, isn't it? Or uh, it's coming to iOS. Currently, it's available for PC, Mac, and Linux. You can buy it right. on Steam or um, or on GOG, and it's also available um, direct download. Um, you can find all the different ways of, of downloading it at redshirtgame.com. And how can it reach you? You're on Twitter and stuff, aren't you? I am on Twitter, yes. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at mituk, M-I-T-U-K. Right. Um, awesome. So yes, I'm, I'm generally lurking about on there. So. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I don't say that much either. I just lurk a little bit until I get <laughs> involved with conversation with Mike Bithell, um, like we all do. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. You can find us on Stitcher now, so you just go to stitcher.com and use the application and just look up the Sausage Factory, and you'll find us there. So if you want to stream. The podcast from Stitcher, by all means do so. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, all one word. And also you can email me if you want to ask about potential studios that wanted to interview or give feedback about what you've had listened to so far. Then you can send an email to tsf at spong.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>